Good evening and welcome to the service of worship, that is the installation of James Turner Davis. Would you please stand for the call to worship and then remain standing as we sing the doxology. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge that you are a great God and a great king above all gods. And we rejoice that you call us into your presence as the people of your pasture and as the sheep of your hand. We thank you, Father, that you have also called us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and into the church which he has purchased with his own blood and which he rules and preserves and guides. We thank you that when Christ ascended to your right hand, he also gave gifts to men. We thank you that he gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. We thank you for uh, the gift of Kurt and for the faithful ministry that he has had at Orlando Grace over so many years. We thank you for his passion for your glory for his commitment to your word, and we thank you for the example that he has set, not only for Orlando Grace, but for our larger community of what it means to suffer with joy for Christ's sake. We thank you also, Father, for Jim Davis, and we thank you for bringing him here this evening. We thank you for Angela. We thank you for the children. We thank you for the ways that you have prepared them for the ministry that lies ahead of them here at Orlando Grace. We ask that by your spirit you would strengthen us tonight as we offer our petitions to you, as we offer our praise, and as we proclaim your word. And we pray that by your same spirit in days ahead you would fill Jim with wisdom, that you would clothe him with holiness, that he would bring great honor and glory to the gospel of Jesus Christ in Central Florida, that through him and through his ministry, this church would be built up and strengthened and would be led uh, to the future plans and purposes that you have for this community. And we ask all these things, leaning not on our own wisdom, our own power, our own wealth, our own resources, but wholly on the name of Jesus Christ, who is the great shepherd of the sheep, Amen. A reading from 
Joshua, the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here, to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the most attractive scripture readers that I personally have ever seen. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm going to keep my Bible open to Joshua chapter 1. You might want to keep yours open there. We're going to look at a few things uh, together. Uh, My name is David Swanson. It really is a pleasure uh, to be with you all tonight. And before I uh, launch into my 75-minute message on Leviticus that I uh, promised Jim that I would deliver, I did alter that. I decided to go with Joshua. Uh, But I am am so incredibly honored uh, that Jim would ask me uh, to speak, to preach, to proclaim God's words tonight. Uh, And I just feel like in the interest of full disclosure, I should tell you that I did everything in my power to make Jim Presbyterian. (laughs) And in fact, it wasn't just me, but Scott Twain uh, at RTS also worked really hard and and we lost him to the Presbyterian camp. He, He is not Presbyterian, but if the Presbyterians couldn't have him, I'm glad that Orlando got him and that he's in this city and he's at, uh, now at Orlando Grace Church. I'm so excited for you because of what I know uh, Jim is going to bring, uh, not only to your church, uh, but to our uh, community. So I am, I am very uh, grateful to be here, very honored. And as we uh, enter into this uh, time together, uh, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you uh, for the privilege of being here tonight. Uh, I thank you for your word uh, that is uh, inspired and true in every respect. And we would ask humbly now that you would pull the curtain back uh, on that truth just a little bit farther as we think about the idea of change, uh, that you would uh, show us new things, that you would encourage this church body 
in this particular season. And Father, you know that I am a a man of a sinful heart, uh, broken and darkened in my own right. And so may you, by your Holy Spirit, overcome uh, my own sin today that you and you alone would be glorified. So we ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So as you look around uh, your world, I know that you have a lot of concerns about what you see happening uh, culturally, nationally, internationally. There are, there are a lot of things that are changing, and those changes oftentimes as I experience them, as I look at them, uh, those things are disturbing to me. For example, um, one of the changes that has been particularly bothersome to me is they have changed the coffee cup lids at Einstein's Bagels. I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but they have gone away from the solo cup lids, and now they're these cheap plastic things, and they don't sit on top of the cup. You spill your coffee. So I am, I am writing letters to management. I'm trying to overcome this change in my own life, so I'm, I'm bothered by that. I'm also bothered by, I don't know if you all frequent this place or not, but Hillstone has changed their menu. And they have taken the chicken tender salad, the fried chicken tender salad, off the menu. And this change is particularly disturbing to me. And, and Lee and I haven't been back there in a while because we really love that and we're, we're protesting uh, this change. So just a lot of, those are just a couple that are particularly bothersome to me. A lot of change going on in our culture. But I don't know that there's a family in the room tonight who's experiencing as much change as the Jim and Angela Davis family. Uh, right? So you think about everything that they have gone through just in the last three or four months just really since they started their process with you. They've had to say goodbye to a former church. And man, the, the pain of that and the emotion of that big change, telling their children, leaving their schools, moving. I mean, we all know that's the most exhausting experience ever is moving. They come out here starting a new job, new community, new neighborhood, new house, new schools for the kids, new friends. I mean, all those things. So just as kind of a public service to the Davis family, uh, I went to the Minrith Meyer Mental Health Clinic website in, in Dallas, fairly famous mental health clinic. And I, I did a little research and they have a wonderful kind of a, a tool where you can kind of figure out how stressed am I really because of change in my life. So I took all the things that had happened in the Davis family and I plotted their score on the Minrith Meyer stress scale, and they scored a 267. Now, that means nothing to you because you have nothing to compare it to, but let me read you from the handbook. It says, any score of more than 200 points, and I quote, a person is likely for a psychiatric disorder or a medical problem. <laughs> so your, your new pastor is probably in serious trouble already. Right? So you got to pray for this guy. You got to pray for his wife. You got to pray for his children. But again, I'm looking at all the change in their life. What's he supposed to do? Just not have any change? Is he just supposed to not go where God's calling him to go? And all of us go through seasons like that where so many things are changing. It's up in the air. Do you just have to ask your loved one? No, you can't be sick. Do you ask the hurricane to blow your house back up? Right? You, you, you don't really have a choice sometimes in some of the changes that come into your life. And when God says go, you go. And so that's why I wanted to look tonight at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, because here's the thing I want to share with you. Jim and Angela Davis and their family are not the only ones who are experiencing great change. 
Orlando Grace Church. You, if you haven't figured it out already, you are in a season of great change. And I'm not sure that there's anybody in Scripture who at this particular moment, as Joshua is, I don't know that there's a leader and a group of people who are experiencing as much change as the two of them are together collectively as Joshua and the people of Israel. So what I did, just to be sure we could compare, I looked at Joshua's life and went back to the Minrith Meyer uh, stress score. And uh, so he had the death of a close friend. He had a change in his outside relationships. He had a job change, a move. Uh, He had a role readjustment. He had a change in responsibility, change in family life. And he also had an outstanding personal achievement. So sometimes even success brings stress. And so just so y'all feel better, Joshua's score was 275. So he's, he's got a pretty whopping number there. So a lot of change going on for Joshua. He's very stressed. And yeah, what does he do? Does he shrink back and say, this is too much? Somehow Joshua faithfully moves into God's call for his life, and he leads God's people into this season of significant change. So as you're thinking about that, how do we go through these seasons in ways that allow us to honor God? And even though there's a lot that feels unsettled, we have this little sense of disequilibrium about us, How do we go through those seasons in ways that we honor the Lord, that we're faithful in our relationships with one another, and we continue to follow and walk down the path that God calls us? So what I want to do uh, this evening, just for a few minutes, I want to lay the grid of the sevenfold rhythm of change over Joshua and the people of Israel and use that just as a lens through which we can look to try to understand and learn how we function in times and seasons of significant change. So the first thing we find, the first part of the sevenfold rhythm, not original to me, pretty well known, is that healthy things grow. So I didn't have time to read you the last 10 chapters of the book of Deuteronomy that that precedes this, that comes up to this. But what you find is in those last 10 chapters, Israel gets healthier. In her relationship with God, she's pulling in. There's There's a moment when she renews the covenant that she's had with God. She becomes more and more obedient. You can see the health of their spiritual life. And so naturally, as all of us experience, when you get healthy you grow. It's happening in your backyard right now in the summer, right? If you have a healthy yard, it grows. You have to mow it. If you have a healthy child, a healthy baby, it grows. That's just part of life. And number two is healthy things grow. Growing things change. And you can see how God, in his relationship with Israel, he's preparing them. They get healthy. They start to grow. And he says, all right, now you're ready for these significant things. And he says, okay, start preparing. Three days from now, there's gonna be this big change. They've got a new leader. They're about to have a new home, a new place to live. All these things are happening. And again, we, we know that to be true in life, that growing things change. I remember when my, uh, our middle son, Alex, is, grew to be 6'6". And when he hit puberty, I'm not kidding. It was like a different person came down the stairs every morning. You know, it's like you had to reintroduce yourself at breakfast because he was just, he was healthy, he was growing, and because he was growing, he was changing. And that gets us to the third part, and this is where it gets hard, is that change challenges us. See, we're a little quirky as human beings, aren't we? We, we like our routine. Uh, we like our schedules. We like things that are known. 
And change is not exactly the thing in life that we, we really embrace. And I think that's also very true in churches. Churches tend to not love just lots of change all at once. For example, when I uh, moved from Chattanooga, my first church, to Fort Myers, Florida, my second church, I'm kind of starting off, and in the first uh, nine months, I had made, as Lee painfully remembers, I had made some changes. And I got this letter that I have always kept. Dear Dr. Swanson, we are so grateful. Jim, you may get one of these letters, so just sit tight. We are so grateful for your leadership and ministry. We know the church needs to change, and we will support you in the new changes that you are bringing. All we ask is that you don't change the fellowship hall. We like it just the way it is. So my prayer is that none of you will write that letter, but why is it that change challenges us in that way? I think there, there are two reasons. One is fear, and two is loss. See, the reason change challenges us is because it's unknown. We don't know where we're going, and when we don't, we're not sure about where we're going, that scares us. And that's the beauty of this text, is that God knows us so intimately And he knows us so well that he says to the people of Israel, whom he is asking a lot of, he's demanding that they go through this season of change. And so three times to their fears, what does he say? Be strong and courageous. Don't forget I'm with you. Overcome your fears and all these things that you don't know. And remember that you belong to me. And then I think the second part of change that is difficult is, is loss. Because here's the thing about change. Whenever change begins to happen, it means that we're going to have to sacrifice something. It means that some of you in this room may have to lay down something that you've always loved in order to move towards a vision for the future of the church that is God-given and God-directed. And Kurt has led this ministry. I can't find where he's sitting, but for, for years and has been a faithful servant of the Lord. But I would, I would tell you, I would gather that even Kurt would be disappointed if Orlando Grace Church didn't have a new vision for the future for this next phase of what God wants to accomplish here and through, through Jim's leadership. And so that means that your routines things that you've loved, you might have to let them go. And that means loss. And with loss comes grief. And that's why change challenges us, because not only does it scare us, but it means we have to sometimes let go of things that we love. And that creates a sense of void in us, and there's, there's pain there. So what does God say in that? He says in verse 8, he says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. He says, meditate on it day and night. So as you're going through a a season of change, God says, stay close to me. Don't forget the words that I have given to you, because even though it's not known to you what all this change means, it's known to me, and I'm going to be faithful. And that's the key to managing the challenge of change, is what is it that you, you are certain about? You're certain of the place where you're going. 
You're certain of where God is calling you. And let me just assure you again that as the weeks and months unfold and as some of these changes begin to take place in this church, Jim isn't just doing this with your group of elders arbitrarily. He's not just thinking of fun things to do to change that might bother you. They're going before the Lord. They're going to be seeking God's presence because there is a new intended destination. There's a new thing that God is wanting to grow up and do in you and through you in the community of Orlando and beyond. I don't know what it is, but as you keep your eyes focused on that, as you stay in the word of God, then you're going to be faithful to move through the fear and move through the challenges and the pain of loss and the things that you're going to have to give up because you're so attached by a compelling vision that says God is not finished with us. God has new things for us to come. Change challenges us. And then in those challenges, what happens? Challenges force us to trust God. I go back to those moments when Abraham was called in the land of Ur. And God said, get up and go. And he didn't tell Abraham where he was going, but Abraham went because he trusted God. Joshua, in these moments, we're told over and over again that he's, he's been in the tent. So he's drawn into his relationship with God. He trusts him. And so because he trusts him, then he's willing to go. I can remember uh, early on in my call to ministry, I, in my 20s, I had a, a terrible season of an anxiety disorder that you would, call a, you would call panic disorder. I had panic attacks and I could barely get myself to ever leave my parents' living room. And so I remember sitting in a rocking chair in my parents' den telling the Lord that he'd called the wrong guy, that he must have dialed the wrong number, right? And that surely there was going to be no way that I could do this. And not in an audible voice, but I remember sitting in that rocking chair and thinking to myself, you know, what am I going to do? And God speaking into my spirit a simple question. And it was, do you trust me? And as I sat there, I wrestled with the question. And as much as I wrestled with the question, the only answer that I could give, the only one, was yes. And it was kind of like God gave the mic drop, like, well, then what else do you, you need? And so from that moment on, I was like, all right, then I'm going to take you at your word. And whatever door you open, I'll walk through it. And if I fall flat on my face, that's on you. Because I was obedient because I trusted you. I trusted you just like Peter in, in John chapter 6. When Jesus says some pretty hard things about what his ministry is going to be. Maybe you remember this and a lot of kind of the, the, the disciples is the word that the NIV uses. But they were kind of followers of Jesus. It got so hard they all left. And Jesus comes back to the 12 and he says, are, are you going to leave me too? And do you remember Peter's response? He says, to whom would I go? You have the words of life. See, our challenges bring us to a place where we have to trust God. And when we trust God, it leads to our obedience. When you trust him, you do what he says. When you trust him, even though you don't really understand it, you're going to do what he says and you become obedient. Remember verse 7. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. 
all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left that you might be successful wherever you go. Maybe you remember Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot. One of my favorite things she wrote in her book, Through the Gates of Splendor, she said this, if God is God, he is worthy of my worship and I will find rest nowhere but in his will. And that will is infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notion of what he is up to. And so I obey, I walk in his will. Infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond your wildest notion of what he is up to. But because you trust him, you do what he says. Because we trust him, it leads to our obedience. And then the last one is, number six, well, not the last one, but obedience makes us healthy. See, you see the long rhythm of Israel's relationship with God being kind of encapsulated in these 11 verses. But Israel, for a long time, it was just always kind of back and forth. She would be sinful and disobedient and things would go bad. And then God would, would show grace and a redemptive purpose. He'd call her back and they would, they would uh, be repentant and, and they would become healthy again. They'd do what he said. So we, we know this in our own personal lives. When I was a little boy, you know, I, I always loved my parents, but I never really took what they said at face value. So I had to learn the hard way. If you ride on the crossbar of your friend's bicycle, you're going to wind up with stitches in your chin. If you play baseball with a, a mitt that has a broken webbing, you're going to wind up with stitches in your forehead, right? And, and so I began to realize these people are not as dumb as they look. And if I just did what they said, my life would actually be healthier. Obedience would lead to my health. And that, that's so true in our individual lives, but we, we just tend to get in our own way. You know, life is hard enough as it is without creating our own problems, right? Without just the sin that gets us all entangled. If we would just do the thing, just, just think about how different the world would be today. Think about everything that would go away if we just did what God said. But see, in our spirits, we, we get this idea that God is somehow the cosmic killjoy who just doesn't want us to have any fun. And if we just followed all his commands, well, what, how's that good? How is that life? And so we, we get it in our head that we really do know best when actually, when you get into God's word, what you learn is the parameters of his word is actually the environment we were called to live in that gives us life. It's like the little boy with the terrible allergies who wanted a pet so bad, but he couldn't have a dog, couldn't have a cat. So his parents are like, an aquarium, we'll get him some fish. Right? So they, they go down to the pet shop, the fish store, whatever it was. They get him a great big aquarium, all these fish they put in it. They set it up in his room, turn on the lights, multicolored fish. He is thrilled. So he's in there looking at the fish. Mom goes in to make dinner. An hour later, he comes in and he flops down on the sofa and he's kind of dejected. Mom goes, what, what's the matter? What's going on with your fish? And he goes, well, they were a lot of fun at first. I put them on my bed and they flopped around. But after a few minutes, they just lay there. Now they're not doing anything. See, sometimes as human beings, we don't realize we were made to live in a particular environment. And it's the environment 
of God's word, his law. He said, this is the path of life. Obedience in it will lead to your health. It's not a sentence for the fish to live in the water because that's the environment which God made him to live. And so for us as Christian men and women, we're called to live in the environment of his word, which again is why God says to Joshua and to his people, don't stray from my word. Be obedient because what? Obedience leads to your success. I want you to be healthy so that you can start the cycle over again. Healthy things grow. And we're back to the start. It's the cycle of change. It's challenging. It gets at some of the heart of our own neuroses, our own fears, our own insecurities. But my challenge to you as a congregation is that you would recognize what the Bible tells us to be about, to keep our eyes on the vision that God is giving, to believe that God has not finished using you as a church, but there are things he wants you to accomplish for his sake and for his glory and for the building of his kingdom. And that's, that's the last thing I'll say. You did not call Jim Davis here to get together with a bunch of people and talk. The last verse is when God says to Joshua, gather everybody up, get your supplies, because in three days we're going. We're going to do something. There's a the commercial that was on a few months ago and there are these guys sitting around having dinner and one guy starts to choke. Not breathing, looks awful. And, and the people around the table, one guy goes, gosh, should I slap him between the shoulder blades? The other guy goes, well, I, don't, I don't know, maybe we should do the Heimlich maneuver. And he says, well, I don't know how to do that. And the third guy says, well, I know how to do it, but I'm, I'm worried I'm gonna break his ribs. And then the next guy goes, do you have insurance? What? The whole time they're talking, this guy's choking to death. And he's like, I'm worried about my liability coverage. And so while they're talking, some guy from another table comes over, gives him the Heimlich maneuver, and the food pops out. All right, so understand, it's time and in the right season when God has revealed himself to you as a body, then things are going to happen. You're not just going to gather around and talk. You're actually going to do something. You're going to move up into the land that God is calling you to inhabit as a church, as a body, for his glory and for his purposes. So support this man and his family. Love him well. Follow him as he leads. Because I know that he is one who is before the Lord, hearing his voice as your elders are, or you wouldn't have called him. And get ready to act as God leads you, even through the challenging seasons of change. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word. I thank you for the faithfulness of Joshua and so many people in Israel who were faithful to do what you would call them to do, even though it was challenging. There were obstacles in their way. There were people living in the land. And there are going to be some things that, that Orlando Grace is called to do that may appear to have some obstacles. But Father, I pray that you would give to this body great courage that they would hear echoing in their minds the words you said three times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And Father, give to Jim and the elders clarity of vision so that the, what they present to this body would be so clear and compelling that they would be willing to endure any loss and let go of anything that they have loved in order to move towards your God-given direction that they might be your faithful people, that they might become the church you are calling them to be 
in the years ahead. Bless and anoint this man. Bless and anoint this body. I pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Swanson, for that message. It reminded me of Kurt's message of May 6th when you talked about the different seasons of OGC. And that just really just tacked tacked it on really hard. So thank you so much. This is a different season for Lando Grace Church. And we're excited how what God has done in our church. We're excited about the process that God has blessed us with. As, I, as we had opportunity to talk about this morning, not many churches get a chance to hand the baton off to another senior pastor. What a blessing it, it has been. And so now is the opportunity to ask Jim the questions. And we also need to understand that it's also, is Jim's going to give his response to us and his commitment to you? And we're going to stand, and then we're going to have a commitment of the congregation to Jim. Because it's a covenant. It's an agreement between two or more people. It's biblical. He's going to hold us accountable, and we're going to hold him accountable for God's glory. So, Jim, I need to ask you these questions. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as originally given to the inerrant word of God? The only infallible rule of faith and practice. Do you? Do you accept the office of pastor teacher in this church and faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church in which God has made you an officer? Do you? Do you promise to serve your brethren in the Lord? Do you promise to strive for purity, peace, unity, edification of the church? Will the congregation of Orlando Grace Church please stand and our guests as well if you want? I'm going to ask this question to the guests of Orlando, to the members of Orlando Grace Church. Remember, this is your covenant. You're part of this process. Do you, the members of this church, Orlando Grace Church, acknowledge and receive this man as pastor teacher and you promise to yield him all the honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which this office, according to the word of God and the constitution of this church, entitles him. And I will also add, pray for him. Pray for him. If so, will you say, I do. Well, this is our new pastor teacher, Orlando Grace Church, Pastor Jim Davis. I would like to invite the, the elders 
of Orlando Grace Church to come up. I'm going to ask Pastor Kurt to come up too. And um, Scott, will you come up as well? We're going to lay hands on Jim, just as the scriptures direct us to, and then uh, we'll pray. Let's everybody lay hands on Jim. Come on up here, buddy. Our God and Heavenly Father, we're excited for what you have done in the live lives of the Orlando Grace Church and the Davis family and the Heffelfinger family. We pray, Lord, that we would be strong and courageous. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us in this process. That, um, in a sense, we grabbed our three-day provisions and went. We followed your direction. And direction was clear. Your direction was sweet. Even though it was hard. Hard in many ways. And we had difficulties. But Lord, it was clear. The door just stayed open. We are so thankful that you have been so faithful to us. We have our fourth pastor teacher here at this church. We pray, Lord, that we would have a successful transfer of pastor teacher whenever it is that this church would continue to honor you in that process as we studied as elders as we went through this process we understand that every pastor teacher is an interim pastor teacher that your church moves forward pastors come in and out by your direction And Lord, we are so excited to be blessed by man, Jim Davis. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love on this man, for your love for his family. Lord, we just just give you the praise and the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.